Hey everybody, this is Chris D with MacroOps. Um, this is a this is going to be a solo cast. This one is talking about the uh, well. This is a macro global macro investing and trading environment. MacroOps, what what the uh, business stands for. So I'm actually going to talk about uh, the markets and an interesting thing that happened this week. And I'm I don't know if I want to come across as you know, a guy calling to uh, looking to call the top, which I'm certainly not. Uh, more interesting is is just what I'm seeing, kind of my framework, the process that I go through when I'm looking at at the markets, and right now, especially, there is a big change or something just happened in the markets that's um that's rather interesting. Besides the fact that we're up near some pretty good highs, about 20% off the lows on the equity indexes, not really going to address the equity indexes. Uh, what I'm looking at is more of the, the global macro shift. And there is a, like my framework is very much focused on currencies and commodities and not so much on equities. I do trade equity indexes and they, they do serve a, a serve a purpose in the in global macro. But I'm a I'm a quantitative systems trader. So when I look at the markets, I'm not looking at trying to paint this large dramatic picture that that all comes together and makes sense. And I, I predict that all these things are gonna happen and eventually they do or don't. Rather I have a I have a, a model that or a couple of models on the market that as these things happen, um, usually other things, if they line up, turn into one of the bigger macro events of the the year or or maybe in a, a, a number of years. And you know, <laughs> I actually had this framework. I've I've been using this framework for a while, and it wasn't until I listened on the Farnham Street podcast um, or the Knowledge Project from uh, Farnham. Let me, let me find it. The, um, which actual prod, uh, project was with Adam Robinson. So yeah, Adam Robinson, he is a uh, very brilliant guy, I believe. Um, but really what it came down to was the the way he looks at the markets is, in macro especially, is that metals are the first to move, um, treasuries move next, and then finally it's currencies. And I've always been that. I've always seen that. And I never really, I never really thought of it the way he did, where he says metals are actually something you have to take out of the ground. You need to mine. You need to go and you know acquire land and and you know. <laughs> make nice with everybody, let them know what you're doing and get, and get your approvals and then get in and, and start, you know, chopping up earth and pull it out. So the mood, the, the moves in, in, um, in metals, when they happen, they, they seem to be very significant. So that's the first thing I'm going to focus on here is before anything else, I would say, Metals this year has been pretty has been pretty exciting. Basically, from uh, November until well, just last week, gold itself has rallied from about slightly below twelve hundred up to about thirteen fifty, and it appears to have hit. If I'm looking at it right, well, thirteen forty nine point eight. 
almost on the nose. Thirteen fifty. It's it's and then it it bounced from the twelve hundred level almost on the nose. I mean, yeah, it it kind of missed it here and there, but for the most part, there's some pretty big round numbers, and that that's a good size move from twelve hundred to thirteen fifty. But what's most interesting to me is the formation in which it has turned around on. So the 19th of February, we got that uh, 1349.80. Now, the way I look at markets is I'm, I don't analyze the, um, I, 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 though I am in, in macro, I don't actually do a lot of macroeconomics analysis to come up with my trading. I, again, I, I have a uh, quantitative price action method more so than I have a economic outlook at it. Now, you know, economics is interesting. Economics is fun. I just, I don't have, I have not put together a system that has an advantage in that area. Whereas in a price action model that I have, I have a, I have a very good advantage. I have a great edge there. And, you know, I, I have a high expectancy system that is repeatable, it's predictable, and, and it, in the sense that I predict a move is, is imminent. Uh, it's repeatable, so I can actually test it, and and then I can and it's it's it survives, I guess. So far, it's been surviving over time, and I've taken it across, you know, all sorts of asset classes, and it continues to work. So, uh, being a systematic trader means that I have rules, and these rules, if broken, are there are financial. Uh, Basically, it's just that that to me is gambling. If I break my rules, I am simply gambling on a position. And so when I look at all these, there's actual data that backs up this sort of scenario that I'm starting to put together here and I'm going to walk through on this podcast. I've got you know thousands and thousands of, of live trades I've done myself, as well as thousands and thousands of back tests, Monte Carlo simulations, and... Um, you know, test data, um, all, all sorts of all sorts of uh, research on this to make it a fairly robust system in the sense that it is it is more bulletproof than it is. Uh, it's it's a little more versatile. It, it it doesn't win all the time, certainly, but at the same time, the losses are not that big. But when things start to line up, either it lines up and everything happens in a big way which is the expected way, or it does the opposite, and it does so in a big way. The least obvious outcome or the least possible outcome with this scenario that, that is being built is that it's just going to be a, a, a non-event. Um, that is a possibility, of course, but it is the least likely of the scenarios. So that's why I thought I would do the podcast on this one and, and spend a little time talking about it. So when we look at gold, gold is one of the first ones to move when we start to get a when we start to get a move. It, it's the when it when it starts moving, something really interesting is happening. And if in November, after all those rate hikes, it starts moving higher and within I was like a month and a half, the Fed stopped raising interest rates. I don't know. That's kind of interesting. That's a fairly interesting indicator to me, or maybe it was almost two months. That that's fairly interesting to me that that gold finally 
gave up all that, in essence, for all of uh, 2018, it had just, you know, dropped from nearly 1400 down to that 11, you know, 1200 levels or 1170, and has since almost made it all back in a rather, you know, in, in like a two month period of time where it took April to about October to get to the bottom of that range. And it took about, let's call it October, November, um, to February to get to the top of range. So, so much faster on the upside than on the downside, which one thing we do know about bear or uh, bear market rallies is, which we were in a bear market in gold up until October when equities flipped directions. Uh, what we do know about gold is it's one of the most uh, controversial assets out there to trade. Either, either you're a, you know, a lover of gold or you hate gold. Um, there's there's far, far too few people in the middle who are just saying, hey, it's an asset that I trade, which is where I find myself. So I, I, have, no, I have no stance on it. I was really bullish on it back in the uh, dot-com blow up at 285, but I had a different perspective on life back then as well. So uh, what I want to talk about is on February 19th, we had a price pattern. Again, I, I'm a price action guy. I'm not, not going to talk about interest rate. I'm not going to talk about um, Xi Jinping and, and Putin and Venezuela and, and how all that affects us, though all those are certainly certainly important. What we had was we had this, um, it, it's just such a simple pattern. It, the best trading systems, the ones that actually make the best amount of money over time are the simplest, the ones that can be repeated over and over. And you can hit them and take advantage of them with utilizing some you know, position sizing techniques, which is where the real advantage comes in. But this, this is relevant because Friday... February, or I'm sorry, uh, March 1st, gold was down about one, well, 1.54%. That's the first time it's been that far down, uh, that many, that percent down since it looks like August was the last time we had a down move. And it happened to be, August pretty much happened to be, August 15th, happened to be the bottom of that move. So, what is this saying to me is, okay, on, on February 19th, we had this big spike. Now, now I'm looking at a chart with a standard Bollinger Bands on top of it and really nothing else other than candles. And I have a, a candle after we just had a 1% up day, a 30, uh, 0.35%, 0.7%, and 0.5% up day, boom, 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 in a row. And that was after a little consolidation of the week prior. We, you know, we had another probably three percent up move. So when I when I, we get up here and we break through our Bollinger Band, and then we do what's called a um, shooting star. <laughs> I want to get too technical. It's I'm I'm not a big technical analysis guy. I just have repeatable patterns that I look for. I look for a piercing of the top or the bottom of a Bollinger Band. And then I look for a reversal bar. And on a downward reversal, meaning it's going up and it's turning down, what I look for is I look for an open that is 
uh, right at or, or you know, even outside the Bollinger Band. And then I look for violent action outside of it, like really like this is too far. We've gone too far. And you can you can see when you're outside a Bollinger Band, it, it's going too far that it usually snaps back. And it certainly did. So for the following the next week, you know, the 20th to February 20th to March 1st, it went straight down from 1350 down to 1294. So, you know, like a 56, is that right? Uh, something like that uh, point drop rather quickly. Um, so that's, you know, what is that? 7%? That's a, and that's a big move in a short period of time considering the environment we're in. And again, we had this shooting star type pattern where it opens near the, at the very top of the Bollinger Band, shoots all the way up, goes to an intraday high of 1349.8, and then gives all that back and comes down and closes near the bottom. And in fact, closes lower than the opening. So bulls had all sorts of moxie running into this. They had, you know, months of, of bullish moves and it culminates in this blow off type type top it's you know it's not a huge range 1340 1350 is about um it's about 10 points 1339.8 to 1349.8 so 10 whole points uh but it in essence it in essence it opened uh 1343 and it closed at uh you guys low as 1339 but closed at 1341 so bulls couldn't even hold on to keep that candle green for the day it rallied up there and they just started selling people just started selling it I would say 1350 was a round number that people were happy to take profits at on the trading side. But on as as I start to present this package a little bit more clearly, it starts to it starts to seem like something bigger is happening. So we've spent some time here on gold. Next what I want to do is I want to look at I want to look at bonds and we'll start with First thing I have the TLT, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and move it into. Uh, um, let's go to, let's go to the thirty and the ten. Let's take a look at the ten. Okay, so interestingly, the ten has not really fallen off. Now we did at the end of the year. It looks like January second. We had this massive blow off top, and that same pattern that I talk about is we pierced the Bollinger Band. We pierced it on, really, really, we, we pitched it on the 30th of December and came back and closed within the Bollinger Band. So usually I would be looking for a reversal, but it didn't happen. We got another big, massive push on the Bollinger Band on January 1st on bonds, had a 50, uh, you know a, a half a percent up day. And then another, we had what is called, you know, another 0.54% top opening and closing outside the Bollinger Band. Now, this is almost as classic of a blow-off top as I can, as I see. This is the, this is the thing, and as soon as we get below the low of that blow-off top, I'm looking to short. And lo and behold, the next day, we get a pretty big down day, 0.79% on the, on the uh, tenure. Now, this is the 3rd of January, and this is after everything that happened on December 26th and the, and basically the November to December meltdown in equities. So things were a little wild. So what happened here is we just go sideways on bonds. And as we're going sideways on bonds on the 10-year, we're 
pretty much going into where where Jay Powell comes in and, and doesn't raise interest rates. And we know that that kind of caused some <laughs> that, caused, that that changed things quite a bit. That that's when people started making some big changes to their models because it was almost priced in that we were going to continue to trade in that direction. I would imagine gold going from 80 down into the 40s and 50s, I'm sorry, not gold, uh, crude, moving so rapidly down in that direction probably had something to do with inflation not being a concern. (laughs) But hey, this isn't a story about macroeconomics and, and Jay Powell. This is a story of something's shaken. Now, what we don't see in the 10-year, we certainly see in the 30-year bond in US in the in the 30-year. So we have that same run-up from right basically when you know equities really started to melt down in November until the beginning of 2019. And then we just kind of go sideways. Well, why I bring this up is because a couple of days after gold really start put in that top and really starts to to head down. Well, Friday, we have a, well, Wednesday, we had a decent, you know, 0.83% down day, pretty big in bonds. They, they don't move that much too often. Um, followed by another down day. And then on Friday, we had, <laughs> now, now this is where it's interesting because now on Friday, we open and close outside the Bollinger Bands. And look, I'm not. I'm not John Bollinger. I'm not a Bollinger band. I, anything other than we see, it, it's good to show standard deviations of of the last twenty trading period moves, and we had this nice compressed trading range, which is very significant. When you have a narrow, narrow trading range on uh, on the Bollinger band, it indicates you have something that's coming up, and. Additionally, we have this. I I use something else called the you know the ATR, the average true range, and it's just a, um, you know just just a standard fourteen period. So, like three, well, since this is futures, so it's a little over two weeks worth of trading, looking back. When that gets down to really low levels, typically, and we have like really narrow Bollinger bands, typically we have very high volatility moves from there. Now it doesn't say what direction the, the ATR and you know piercing a Bollinger band doesn't really give you a whole lot, or, or I'm sorry, narrowed Bollinger band, really narrow Bollinger bands doesn't give you a whole lot in where it's going to trade, what direction it's going to. But what it does tell you is, hey, something is afoot. So back to gold real quick. We had a extreme low on the 23rd of January on the Bollinger bands. And on the 24th, we had a pretty big update, 1.72. That was that was the uh, that was um, if I recall, that was a Fed announcement. That was the day that uh, the the Fed decided to stop. And we were at some pretty low extremes on the ATR. We were at a very narrow choke point on the Bollinger Bands the day prior. That day, we pierced the Bollinger Bands and we just ran to the upside, and the ATR followed along with it, which is why I like to bring up bonds next, because up until we had an extreme low on the 19th of February, remember that date? That was the, uh, that was the, the top of gold. And we had our, our lowest low of, of this little um, three-month cycle or so, two-month cycle, 
in the ATR. Uh, the lowest was right at the end of November, um, but we're still pretty low. And then we start putting in a higher low as we get to this trading week, this past trading week. And then again on Friday, what happened, like I said, on bonds, breaks out to the downside of the Bollinger Bands, and we have a big spike up in ATR. Okay, so to recap, gold started moving a week prior. Now we have bonds starting to move. What's next are currencies. So I'm gonna just go straight to the Euro. And this is where it gets most exciting to me. So I've been trading the Euro through, through my trading system uh, fairly consistently all year long. It's been in this nice little trading range. Uh, it's been bouncing, you know, it goes down, goes up. It, it's, it's almost sideways trading, which is just, if you have a proper system that can trade mean reversion, it's really exciting. It's really fun to play those because you're, you're, in, the, you're in the position for, you know, one to five days. And due to the tight range, you get to use, because your, your stops are smaller, you can actually use much bigger position sizing. So if you're, if you're always chasing a big, massive move and, and you know, getting stopped out, a mean reversion system, first of all, it's a high win rate system. You're going to win a lot more often on a, on a reversion to mean system than you are on a, on a trend-following system. So there's a lot of false starts on trends. So about two weeks ago, I was long the euro, and this is when the world, when we really started talking about the dollar being in a, a very highly crowded trade, and then being, <laughs> it, it's extremely crowded, but it, it turns that it turned out that there was a huge move, billions of dollar move into the, um, it was the emerging market, or not emerging market, um, it, it, was a, it was a high yield bond corporate bond fund that was mostly in uh, the yen or, or in, well, in, in currency terms, it was in, J it was in Germany and it was in Japan. So the yen and the Euro and that, that was kind of like, maybe they're not, maybe the world's not as long the dollar as they think they are. In either case, I got long, I was short the dollar long Euro and I made a, you know, a decent little move. I didn't exactly hit my target. But what is most interesting here, uh, so, so I, before I didn't hit my target before I got uh, a sell signal. So as of Friday, well, Thursday, I got a sell signal. Friday, I got short the euro. I got short the pound, and I, I did so. I got long the, the yen. I did so in, in multiple products and, um, or, or multiple pairs of currency to really hit that angle. And it happened across the board. So the pound, pound franc, pound CAD, pound Aussie, pound um, uh, Kiwi, pound yen, pound dollar, all had a sell signal. Same with euro, almost across the board, except euro NZD. Actually, it was pound NZD and, and euro NZD did not. New Zealand's got some interesting things going on there. So... The thing that makes this so interesting to me, one, this is not a trade that's been left behind. Whereas the big move in, in gold happened February 19th and it played out this whole week. Bonds just started playing out on Friday. 
Now, that's that's assuming that gold's going down, suddenly the bonds are going down, and now we have a dollar rally with a euro uh, USD short, pound USD short, like multiple currencies short uh, and, and, and long USD. So the thing that I, I find most interesting here, and the, and the reason I really wanted to spend some time on this one is euro is in that sideways Bollinger Band pattern that I talked about. It's very narrow. It's not wide at all, meaning that it keeps compressing. And more so, euro has not, the, the ATR on euro, the last time we've been down in this area, is I bet you can guess when. <laughs> I bet you can guess in, 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 uh, let me get the date exactly. When, when was Brexit originally, um, announced now? Anyway, the, the last time the Euro was down this low in volatility, um, was back when Brexit was announced. So that is probably the most interesting thing about this whole deal is that the last time we had this low of volatility on on a currency was after a very good sideways pattern. And the sideways pattern lasted for, uh, you know, when did we really get into that low vol environment? Um, like summer, uh, spring, pretty much it looks like the first half of 2014 is when the low vol environment happened. And then into, we, we dropped off a cliff starting 2014 at 137. And when that ATR started to rise was in August. And we were at 137 at that time, we're down to 132. And it just kept going until we got down to the, you know, down below 110, down to 104. It just kept going lower and lower and lower. I mean, a 30 cent move in a 30.3 euro, <laughs> 0.30 euros in just like less than a year is how fast that thing moved. So when we find, this is why I find it so interesting that we have gold starting to move in this dramatic fashion, putting in a reversal type pattern, bonds starting to move in a reversal pattern, and yet currencies, which I stand by, take a little longer to catch up to what's actually happening. That's and that's that's just my analysis. It's not I you know I don't know what is the common believed way to be <laughs> to address the global macro playbook. I have my own method, and it has been tested and tested, and and works extremely well. So take that for what it's worth. So on Friday, I got short euro, I got short pound, long yen and long New Zealand, long the uh, Kiwi. The only other thing I wanna look at, and I, I will bring up, so oil has the same, I'm sorry, 
clicked on the wrong one here. Oil, I don't think is going to be too much just yet. We are trending a little bit up. We are going sideways, but we just came out of a, an extremely volatile down move. And I think oil did its job of, of adjusting the, um, the interest rates, thinking that the Fed actually had real power over the economy, <laughs> um, which they do, and they, and they tell you what they're going to do. So they are a useful tool for sure. But it seemed that Khashoggi's assassination actually had a little bit more to do with, the, uh, with, with changing interest rates than, than what Powell and, and the Fed actually did. So we do have a good sell signal, just like the other bonds, just like gold. Uh, this one's actually played out. It, it's uh, it it we got our revert, we got our pierce on the nineteenth of February, that that good gold day, and then we started reversing from there. And but but very much it it doesn't seem it it's low volatility at this point. And I don't see a big inflection point other than we are starting to narrow our range on the Bollinger Bands on the sideways or in a sideways direction. And that is, that, that just means that something possibly is going to happen. So keeping an eye out on that. Finally, what I wanted to do is I'll just, I'll pull up everybody's favorite to trade the S and P 500. Now, the other thing we have going for it is we are in a low volatility environment again, interestingly enough. And we've traded up to, if we look at it, there was a, there's a one, two, three, three, four attempts. And the, and the fourth attempt was on the 24th. So that, that was Monday or, yeah. So either Sunday or Monday. Um, we made another attempt to try to get above the, you know, that 2820 area on the S&P, 20, you know, 2800 area. So in October, we had that big break down, bounce back up, no luck, break down, another attempt at the 2800 area, break down again. And then finally, in December, we rally up to it, take another attempt at it, it fails and it fails hard. And then that's where we pierce the lower end of that Bollinger Band, like extremely day after day after day after day after day. And finally we had a reversal. Uh, and that and that went straight up basically, uh, took the S&P straight up to the 2800. Now I, I got long a little bit away. On, uh, I actually got long on NASDAQ, but I, you know, I, I got a good hundred and probably 180, 170, 180 S&P points relative out of that trade uh, by failing my short. <laughs> so I was short. Uh, the short failed and I ended up getting long. And that's that's typically how I trade. Like I say, if what is, I have two possible outcomes. And if one fails, the other one's probably going to happen. And if that one fails, then my system is off and I need to step away. And that's just how I trade. So a lot of people scream and yell at, into Twitter at, at the market and it should be doing this and it should be doing that. But if the market's doing something that you don't understand, 
all that means is you need to get out of the market because you're going to waste money on something you don't understand, admittedly. So what I really like, instead of looking at the S&P 500, is I like looking at the uh, mid caps, the S&P 400 and the Russell 2000 small caps. So I feel those actually do a better job at guiding guiding what the market's doing. Now, what's interesting is the S&P 400 mid caps, the E-mini, EW or EMD, whatever, uh, EW on the CME, Chicago Mercantile Exchange futures. So for my, first of all, we're extreme lows on, on uh, ATR, meaning it's just been grinding ever since we had extreme highs in December and bottomed. It's just been a nice, slow, steady grind higher from a bare volatile regime to, and we spent a good, looks like two months and probably four months total in bear market territory, though it wasn't <laughs> the the bear market down 20% uh, random number. <laughs> doesn't really have much to do with the way I look at the markets, but we spent basically October until Thursday, uh, like 28th of February, I guess, or 27th. Yeah. So on the 27th of February, we actually flipped into a neutral market, meaning we've, we're no longer bullish. We're no longer bearish. We're just in a neutral market. The other interesting thing on the, on the S and P 400 is that same level that we tried to get above in October, November and December, and then eventually failed. We actually got above it in the S&P 400. So in the mid caps, we have closed above and held above, and we got plenty of room to breathe on the upside with the S&P 400, which I, has been leading. It does a better job of leading the direction of equities, generally speaking, than the S&P 500 does. So the only thing I want to leave with is my... My trading system is short <laughs> the Russell, or I'm sorry, the uh, S&P 400. And that's interesting only because we have so many things are at an inflection point. We have so many setups happening across the board. Normally, I would just say this is probably going to go sideways, but I take my trades and it's a short trade. So and if it doesn't, go short and it breaks above like 1958 on the 1958-40 on the um, S&P 400 mid cap. And we could be off to an even further races. Interesting thing about election years, or I'm sorry, pre-election years, is you can have a 32 to 33% bottom to top move. These are the most bullish years in equity indexes. So... When we get to the Russell, the Russell has not actually put in a new high, but it has the exact same pattern. We have a short setup on it. Um, I have very low volatility. We flipped into a neutral market, marginally bullish even, and we have plenty of room on the downside and the upside. So there, the inflection that we're seeing in, in bonds, in gold, uh, and in currencies is not really playing out in equities. The only other thing I would say is probably copper is some extreme low levels on volatility as well. 
And all these things are lining up. We're breaking out of ranges. We're getting all sorts of cell signals out there on in the global macro space. And we've had a <laughs> we've had such a big move since December. It's almost like and and such a low volatility big move. It's just ripped higher across all equities. Except Facebook. Um it's just ripped across the the markets and bonds currencies and metals are trying to tell us something here i think silver not being able to get out of its own way as you know not uncommon broke pretty hard on friday this this entire week now this is the end of you know, it was a Friday, so we had to close the bar the week with a you know a negative bar. Um, it was the end of a month this week, and on the first of the month, we had a massive move across the macro space on March first. Interesting because this is the last month of the quarter. It's just a very interesting time frame. Keep in mind, India and Pakistan are taking shots at each other. I don't know what that's turning into. Uh, we have a pretty big humanitarian crisis going on in Venezuela. We have the yellow coats. I think it's the 16th weekend that they've continued to march. Originally, it was about gas prices, but it's been very much focused on getting Macron out of office. He has uh, a lower approval rating <laughs> in his country than Trump has in the United States, which I know... You know, take it for what it's worth. All that means is just nobody likes him. And populism is definitely taken over. He was not a populist. And it is definitely shown across the globe that populism, nationalism, populism is taking over and, and really causing, causing a stink in the world. And so... My guess is something's going to happen. I'm going to have a guest on this week. Uh, he works in France. He's worked in Venezuela and Colombia quite a bit. And we're going to talk a lot about what's going on. He, he was in, he's in the uh, risk management field, like personnel risk management, corporate risk management, on the personnel side, on the cyber side. So not so much on a portfolio management risk management side. He's actually on the risk <laughs> of, you know, bullets and bombs and hackers. So we're going to talk about a lot about what's going on with the yellow coats, what's going on in Venezuela, and just what he's seeing. And, and he's British too, so there's certainly a lot of, a lot of potential um, thoughts for a British expat working internationally with Brexit. Well, I think that's all I have. It's uh, you know almost 40 minutes for... For macro ops, it's that's a fairly short, fairly short time frame. If you got any questions, reach out to me. I'm Chris at macro-ops.com. I'm also at Chris D Macro, C-H-R-I-S, D is in Delta, M-A-C-R-O on Twitter and Instagram, which Instagram is mostly just videos of me walking in the snow almost naked. I wear shorts. And 
um, I do these Norse baths, which reading uh, Norse mythology from Neil Gaiman, I started uh, <laughs> thinking a little bit more. And, you know, being up in Montana this time of year, there's just three or four feet of snow out there. It's just nonstop getting pummeled. So I like to go and lay down in the snow in the evening. So if you're looking for that sort of entertainment, Instagram's the place to be. Otherwise, if you're more interested in the macro op stuff uh, and, and the global macro and trading, my Twitter is where uh, where it all happens, and I do love doing these podcasts. Look, if you got any questions, any requests for guests, if you think you'd be good to jump on and rap about something, then, you know, this is what I do. I trade, and I talk into a microphone. Oh, uh, if you're not already, go to our site, macro-ops.com. Sign up. Get your email. We push out a bunch of really cool content, uh, emails, some market analysis, and um, we're starting to really pick up some different subjects. We do focus on uh, health and wellness as well. Uh, this is a game of, look, if you can make 10% year over year and live to 150, you're going to be a billionaire. So I really believe that you know, living your best life, your longest life, is uh, life extension is, in essence, extending the good period of your life, whereas not focusing on it and just getting to the bad part quicker, you know, dying at 70, that just doesn't sound fun to me at all. So, uh, and it is a, it is a financial edge to live healthier, healthier and longer. So, all right, that's all I have. Hit me up on Twitter, hit me up on email, uh, share this with your friends. If you like, if you really want to torture your wife, make her listen to it, uh, or your husband, I should say. Um, I just think I would torture my wife if I, uh, if I made her listen to this. So, all right, that's it for me. I'm out.